Can your very thoughts materialize in reality? Does a traumatic event leave a residual energy imprint that can affect others? And what were some of the paranormal-related highlights in Singapore of 2019? All this and more of your experiences shared in tonight's episode of Supernatural Confessions. Player. Supernatural Confessions. All right, welcome back to Supernatural Confessions. This is Tim O, along with me once again, Eugene Tay. How are you doing today, buddy? I miss you so much and all the listeners as well. We have been gone for so long. Ah, oh, can you feel the bromance going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it has been actually a, a long one and a half months since we sat together to actually record one of these episodes uh, because because life, yes. Uh, I know you've been very busy uh, with your own projects, right? Yeah. I think the, the last time we got active, or I was active in Supernatural Confessions was for the Halloween. Yeah, and Halloween was really almost two months ago. So a big apology to all our Supernatural Confessions listeners, especially those who uh, have been, you know, texting and saying, hey, what happened to the uh, podcast when are you guys coming back? We really appreciate your patience and the fact that you were interested enough to keep asking for us to return. Uh, personally, I've been pretty busy with work. I had myself a cataract operation. So I got to ask you, right, after the mm. operation, can you now see ghosts? No, because they didn't implant somebody else's eye in, in me, right? That's true. That's, That's true. what the story is about. You know, people who have eye implants with organs that used to belong to somebody else. That's where the rumor uh, comes in. For me, this is an artificial lens that they actually placed in. So no, nothing. No chance of me seeing anything new. Yeah. Okay, so uh, before we actually go into today's episode, and we've got a lot of things that we want to cover today, let's just run through the formalities. If you're new to Supernatural Confessions, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is a... I don't even know how to describe us anymore. Are we a podcast? Are we a portal? What are we? I would like to consider us a platform where people can come down and share their stories and those who are interested in you know the supernatural can really get into a group and listen to our podcast read our stories go on Facebook and chat with everyone else and of course uh, there are a few different ways in which we deliver our content as well one is the podcast the other is of course uh, Eugene putting together his interviews uh, for YouTube videos that we upload both on our main page supernaturalconfessions.com as well as on Facebook do you have a lot of uh, stuff in the pipeline I think there's a lot of ideas a lot of things we want to roll out and for those of you who are listening in today I think uh, we want to give you a little bit of behind the scenes on how we actually do this stuff you know mm. uh, you click on and you hear like a 5 minute or 10 minute maybe even a 30 minutes podcast and you you walk away but the amount of work that goes into it to prepare one 30 minute podcast is actually you know, it takes a bit of effort and I just want to mm-hmm. give a big shout out to Melissa Tan. Uh, Melissa Tan has been like probably our number one fan. She says on our Facebook page, that's great. Been checking out the Supernatural Confessions podcast daily. Wow. Uh, well, thank you very much for maintaining your interest and uh, we do recognize we have been away for quite a while. Okay. And yeah. of course, other things are Supernatural Confessions, just a quick plug on the other things that we do. So we have the mm. podcast, the, the podcast that you do, uh, Tales After Twilight. We have this two men uh, talk show that's all on the podcast. Mm. Uh, sometimes when I meet people who are willing to get onto camera, 
who are not camera shy, uh, especially spiritual practitioners, uh, we do video of them and we put it out on YouTube. We have people who are submitting their confessions to us, their stories, their experiences, and we put it up onto the blog. So all this is really something that you can just go onto our webpage, www.supernaturalconfessions.com or just go check us out on our Facebook page. And then yep. as, a, as a service for uh, those who require it, we have Zoe, who is our resident tarot card reader. Mm. Uh, and she's been reading uh, people's six months fortune and uh, giving them good advice about what kind of direction they should take in their lives. And so far, I'm proud to say that Zoe has like 75%, 80%, even up to a 99% level of accuracy from the people who have taken her services. Yeah, and just uh, based on the reviews, uh, a lot of uh, clients are very, very happy with her work. So please go and check it out. All the information on everything that we do can be found on our main website, supernaturalconfessions.com. And I also want to give a very big shout out and thank you very much to everybody who have been submitting their personal stories, experience. Uh, their confessions as we like to call it through the website as well because that's where we draw our content from too hmm. so with that said let's get on to the main reason why most people actually tune in to us to begin with now a few things we want to cover today I thought we could start with uh, some interesting things especially since we are reaching the end of the year right hmm. uh, some interesting things over the last few months which may actually have happened here in Singapore that were reported in the news uh, the first one a few months ago would be the man in Bugis uh, they call him Mr. Thanos, okay? And you know why they call him Mr. Thanos? <laughs> no, I've not heard of that one. Because much like the Marvel villain, supervillain, this guy looks like he's wearing a gauntlet, okay? <laughs> On his hand, he has many, many rings with giant gemstones. So it kind of looks like the gauntlet of Thanos, okay? <laughs> now, this man has been seen in Bugis allegedly shaking hands with unsuspecting strangers. Why? The rumor has it that he's trying to spread spirits to them. What? Who came up yeah. with that? Well, it was in the news. So he does this under the pretense of selling tissue, okay? He's been described as a man in his mid-30s who is dark-skinned, uh, who wears a lot of rings on his hand. He roams the streets of Bugis at night, approaching people and trying to shake their hands. And then he offers to sell them tissue packets for $10, bro. <laughs> yes. Was he successful? $10. I, I don't know. But yes, while he tries to sell you $10 packets, what he's really doing, according to the people talking about this, is that he's spreading gins or magical spirits to whomever he shakes his hands with. This is something that's very uh, similar to the stories I heard from Malaysia. Mm. Uh, where people would touch you on your arm and ask you for some donation or ask you to borrow money and those who were touched the victims would empty their wallets to these people unknowingly hypnosis right hypnosis considered gin but you know something's not right there wow you know Eugene usually we gotta pay people just to get them to touch us <laughs> <laughs> and also these rings right um, I think maybe we'll just post a picture on our Facebook as well mm. uh, these particular rings the, the very old school um, rings with a big rock there you know that looks like yeah. a knuckle duster really looks like a Thanos uh, ring mm. uh, I believe this is back in the 70s and 80s where uh, grandparents would tell their, their grandchildren mm. to be careful of Malay men with such rings because wow. these stones are used to collect jeans. Oh, okay. Well, that kind of makes sense. It ties yeah. in nicely to the story, right? Yes. So whether this guy is actually a nutcase walking around and shaking hands, he is wearing that ring. So people who actually believe that this ring contains gin probably got this belief from their grandparents back in the 90s. Honestly, if this guy 
thinks he can sell a pack of tissue for $10, he probably really is a nutcase, okay? <laughs> Moving on to our next uh, story, and this actually happened very recently, okay? The um, headline reads, A commuter sees a ghost on an MRT train. So one particular guy uh, went on record to say that he got into the MRT train and he was shocked because he saw someone dressed in white from head to toe. He was approaching Bayfront MRT station on the Circle Line at about 5 p.m. when he noticed this. So he was pretty scared. And then he realized what he thought was an apparition <laughs> dressed in white from head to toe was just a cosplayer. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you who uh, have not seen the photo, let me try to just describe it as you are listening to this podcast. It's mm. literally a lady dressed in white gown, flowing white gown. The gown actually go past her, her feet and drags onto the, flows onto like the next two seats. That's how long it is. And she wears this hat old Chinese Kung Fu hat with the veil coming down white as well mm. covering her face so when you see her sitting from far and she's she looks like, like a pochong right yes mm. okay what she was actually doing was cosplaying as a character from a manga known as Heaven's Official Blessing okay now moving from white to red during the Halloween period there was a woman in red that was uh, making her rounds on our social media creeping Singaporean drivers out uh, four days before Halloween one Facebook user shared video footage from his desk cam to private hire drivers and Singapore and what the, the footage showed was a lady dressed in red with a red umbrella she was in a red long dress almost touching the ground right and she was just standing by the side of the road while people were driving past obviously people were like is this real is this not real what could this thing be and uh, other Facebook users were very quick to debunk the video saying that um no, like if you look carefully at this person, it got shadow. So if this person was casting a shadow, means it could not have been a supernatural apparition. Is that true? <laughs> that apparitions don't cast shadows. Yes, that's very true. I've not seen or heard uh, any ghostly apparitions that cast a shadow. Usually they are the shadow, you know? Mm. Uh, but yeah, if, if an entity can stand in the spot and cast a shadow, chances are it's not a spiritual entity. And also, I, I, I do, uh, I'm looking at a picture right now. It looks quite scary. Like, if you drive past at night on a lonely road, you will freak. And you're not going to stop and then look at a shadow and, you know, try to verify if it's real or not. You will just speed along. Yeah. Of course, you know, if it was someone just trying to play a hoax, uh, very brave. You know, I wouldn't do that because, you know, you're the one standing there by yourself at night, right? I, I was just you never thinking know. that, you know. You never know who else you, or what else you might actually see. You try to act like a ghost, you attract a real ghost and, I mean, you, <laughs> that, yeah. you know, this kind of stories usually happen, you know, the person who tries to scare someone ends mm. up getting, attracting the spirits instead. Yeah, watch all the horror movies, they're usually the first to die, right? Yeah. Okay, so those were the uh, what I thought were the top three paranormal-related pieces of news reported here in Singapore. Unfortunately, none of them actually seem to be genuine cases of you know supernatural or paranormal activity. But I do, I do enjoy uh, people with such creativity trying to spook people out. Yeah, because what ten years ago that would have been you, right? Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I will be very honest with you. Standing there by the roadside trying to scare people have crossed my mind many, many times. But I'm also kind of chicken shit and not wanting to get spooked out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you don't know who's gonna show up next to you either. Right? Yeah. 
Okay. So let's move along right now. Uh, it's been very, very nice to see so many people reacting and replying, responding to some of the topics that we've covered in our previous episodes as well. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we did this uh, top spots to get your spook on, right, during the Halloween period. Mm-hmm. We had someone called JT who reached out to us via our Supernatural Confessions uh, website, all right? And JT says, I used to work at the National Archives of Singapore, which is alongside Fort Canning. And yes, the place is very, very dirty. Now, pre-renovation, almost every employee there had their own stories. And we used to have to work late at night and we'd have different experiences day or night. Now, some of the things we encountered were doppelgangers, okay? Staff would hear people calling out their names behind them. Uh, If I was alone in some parts of the building, uh, sometimes I would be, you know, just filled with an intense fear. I'd be overcome and I'd literally just run, right? Some people who used to sit at my desk would claim that they'd feel hands touching their legs. And I would douse my desk with holy water on a weekly basis. Now, we even had one lift shaft and you would hear wailing inside if you were very sway. And Eugene, remember I mentioned um, a whole Fort Canning area. One of the things that I found very, very strange was that even though it was open air, mm-hmm. that there never seemed to be any wind. Yes, yes. Yeah. I and I said, if you ever light a cigarette there, you would see just the trail of smoke. It doesn't waver. It just goes straight up from the tip of your cigarette. And JT actually attests to this. Uh, she says, the smoking part is true. We would sneak up to smoke and there would never be any wind, right? Mm. Uh, so yes, according to JT, this seems to really correspond with what we spoke about regarding Fort Canning. Now, another place, uh, maybe just a bit further down the road was the Peranakan Museum. Mm. You're That's very familiar place. with the Peranakan Museum, yeah? Uh, she says the Peranakan Museum was also active, okay? Uh, also, the building where NHB has its HQ, mm-hmm. I'm not sure which building this is. Stanford Court. She's heard stories of printers and lights going off and on at mm. night by themselves. She's mm. also heard there are some stories at the MCI building, the one with very colorful windows opposite Clark Key. The old police uh, station. Yeah, she says that at a certain time of the day, you would smell cooking and fried food, food being fried. The only issue was that there was no kitchen or canteen there. Hmm, that's an interesting spirit I would like to, to be. The spirit of KFC, you know, uh, one afternoon suddenly you smell, hmm, Colonel Sanders, secret herbs and spices, crispy original. <laughs> so just uh, listening to what JT has to say, do you have anything to add? Yes, uh, I, I, I believe in uh, what JT has said uh, because this really corresponds to uh, numerous uh, first-hand accounts from people who I have personally met and worked with from National Museum, Natural Heritage Board, Pranaka Museum, the old art gallery, um, old parliament house, even ACM itself. Like I was given a chance to actually go to the office, uh, stay past midnight to do recording, to do investigation, although I was not allowed to put this out to the public. Uh, when I interviewed the staff there, things like chairs moving, printer going on on its own, lights switching off, it's, it's very common. Um, and not just from one eyewitness account, it was from multiple eyewitnesses. So I, uh, I do believe that such things exist because you really, it's really hard to fake any of this haunting. Mm-hmm. 
thank you very much, JT, for sending us uh, your stories uh, and, of course, uh, responding to our previous episodes. Yeah. Now, another episode that we did a few months ago was on hotels. Remember that? That mm. one was quite well received by our Supernatural Confessions fans. Uh, one particular hotel that we covered was the Swiss Hotel Stamford. It is notorious for paranormal activity. Legend has it that the hotel is built on execution grounds from the Japanese occupation. Many guests have a lot of stories, ghosts, victims roaming the corridors, asking for mercy. And what makes it even scarier is that in recent years, there have been a lot of suicides. over at Swiss Hotel Stamford, many people have jumped off, uh, particularly from the high floors. Yeah, most of them that took their lives, they jumped from the 59th or the 60th floor. So, you know, speculation: why just those two floors? You know, is it because that's a, a sweet spot? It's got just the right access for you to to jump, or is there any residual energy that's influencing you? Right? I believe there's residual energy that's influencing people. Mm. Um, you know, if you want to kill yourself, you can kill yourself in so many different ways. You can jump down from the thirtieth floor. You still you still end up you know dead. Uh, but especially if you have incidences where just 59 and 60th floor you get a highest level of suicide uh, it's not a coincidence anymore yeah. there is a certain energy in the area that attracts people who are thinking about suicide to take their life in that place so it forms like a a, a force field of energy of like-mindedness hmm. okay here's a question though now when a spirit or energy attaches itself to a particular place does it attach itself to the place where you jumped or where you died because technically people who jump from the 59th floor they don't die till they hit the first floor right yeah so shouldn't the first floor be the one that's full of residual energy both actually uh, upon upon impact upon death a large amount of energy has, will be released mm. uh, but also don't forget when you are on the 59th floor the 60th floor uh, when you're sitting on the ledge thinking about taking your life it's a huge imprint of energy at that spot because you know you are really contemplating you are feeling all sorts of negative intensive emotion you just have to multiply that with the number of people who jumped off on that same spot feeling that same energy Mm. so yes you do get you know energy on the point of impact but the kind of energy you get while sitting on the ledge that's where you will find yourself even if you're not thinking about suicide and you're standing on the balcony Mm. of that 60th floor and looking down you will I believe get that kind of instinct or that voice in your head where you would kind of whisper in, into your ear like hey it's a good idea to jump oh. or you may feel the kind of dread like a kind of sadness overcoming you because the energy of that place is so has been imprinted with that sort of negativity already okay back to this particular entry Edward Chua sent this in on behalf of his wife so this is an experience that she went through uh, about four years back This was in 2015. Uh, She went for a two-night staycation with a friend at Swiss Hotel Stamford. It was one of the high floors. Now, uh, her story goes like this. One habit I have whenever I visit a hotel for a stay is that I always check out the whole room. I test everything to see if anything is spoiled. And the one thing I noticed when I got into the room was that the window was locked. And I found it strange as I had stayed in Swiss Hotel several times, but, you know, I've never experienced the window being unable to open. Now, other than that, there was nothing out of the ordinary, and we went out for dinner to watch National Day Fireworks. Finally, we returned to the room and we stayed up late talking before turning in. 
Now, I was suddenly awoken in the middle of the night by the static feedback from the TV, and I realized that the TV was switched on. Now, it was about 3 a.m. in the wee hours. I definitely remember we didn't even switch on the TV at all that night before we went to bed. Now, I found it strange, but I didn't want to think much of it, so I reached for the remote control to switch it off, and I went back to sleep. And that's when things got even stranger. I was awoken abruptly by the ringing of the room phone. Now, there are two phones in the room. One is at the desk, and the other one is on the bedside table. Um, Now, according to Mrs. Chua, she said, this wasn't my first paranormal encounter, and I instinctively knew something was wrong. Uh, But I was really exhausted, and I decided to just pick up the phone on the bedside table. And the moment I said hello, I knew it was a mistake because I then heard my own voice on the speaker coming from the phone on the main desk and there was no one on the other line. So how is that possible? How can I talk into one phone and then it comes on the other? So I immediately hung up the phone and this is when I saw a shadow at the chair next to the main desk. So I made a big cough and I said out loud, just let me sleep, stop playing. And then things quieted down after that, and I slept till daybreak. Now, the next morning, I asked my friend when we woke up if she heard anything, and she said she did, but she pretended that she didn't. She just didn't want to react to it, so she ignored the whole incident. (laughs) At that point, we went down to the reception, and we asked for a change of room. Now, with a smile and no questions asked, we were upgraded, and we were even given a complimentary bottle of wine and a fruit platter as well. You know, based on the reaction, there was something a lot more to what they experienced the night before. And another interesting point to note is that when they went to the next room, the windows could be opened. Hmm. So I don't know if there's a, there is any uh, relation uh, to a room where the windows are locked uh, and any paranormal activity uh, that that place is known to have. I mean, the first thing on my mind, Eugene, is that maybe if this is a very negative or heavy room then they definitely don't want people to commit suicide by opening the windows and jumping out so they purposely lock the windows in that room possibly well if any of you who are working in Swiss Hotel or know someone who's working there well drop us a line and give us the behind the scenes scoop is that room really haunted or are there any haunted rooms in that building that you can share with us Mm. What do you think of the story, though? Uh, televisions coming on in the middle of the night. You know, could it be a could it be a remote timer? I know timers usually switch TVs to shut off, off yeah, not to not turn to switch it, on. it on, right? Could you have a phone ring, answer on one, and then the speaker comes on on the other phone? As to my knowledge, phones don't really work like that. Possible to be a haunting, yeah, because the phone rings. You pick up the phone. The other phone is on speaker. Yeah. That's possible. That's because it's, it's an electronic device. The entity is toggling it. Ah, and she also said she saw a shadow next to that yeah. phone. Yeah. Okay. All right. So thank you very much once again to Edward, who submitted this uh, confession on behalf of his wife. Okay. And if uh, you have any other confessions of your own, personal experiences or stuff that you've just heard about and you want us to talk about it, feel free to visit our main page. Once again, supernaturalconfessions.com and you will see a, a form right there for you to actually submit your entries, any documents or photos to go along with your stories. And, you know, we will talk about them, share them on our podcasts. Okay. And don't worry, we will respect your privacy. And if you don't want us to reveal your name or whatever information, just let us know. 
and we will proceed based on that. Yeah. Uh, I also want to mention that if you are sending in photos, uh, we have actually two people on our team. Uh, one is Eugene To, ET. You know, he's able to uh, use some software to detect if the photo is actually a dud or is a real photo. And there's also Arjun Joe, who's able to detect vibrations from photographs. So he was able to see some photographs and say, yes, this is a legit photo based on just feeling the vibrations of the subject in the, in the picture. Hmm. Yes, so now you know where to go, alright? Uh, let's proceed on to our next segment. This is a topic that, Eugene, you mentioned that uh, uh, you've been studying on quite a bit recently. Residual energy, and I've been uh, wondering about ghost sightings. Mm-hmm. Have you ever wondered that, you know, people who believe in ghosts tend to see ghosts, and people who don't believe in ghosts just never see ghosts at all? Well, one might say this is purely psychological. People see what they want to see, right? But that is is also true because uh, I've been reading up on mental empowerment and how science have tried to prove that thoughts can actually materialize in reality mm. so there have been some in-lab uh, experiments about a person who thinks about a particular topic and uh, on a certain object and they actually measure his EEG in his mind in mm. his brain uh, and you know taking the temperature of the object in another room uh, there tend to be a correlation so when we start to think, our brains and our neurons actually uh, emit electricity. That's how you actually take brain waves and brain scan. You emit electricity from your head. So are you saying that our thoughts can actually manifest physically in the world? According to science and pseudoscience, the answer to that is yes. When you start to think of a possibility, uh, you're actually sending out waves and vibrations to the universe to make things happen, to materialize your thoughts. Bro, I don't know. I don't mean to be a skeptic, but if that was the case, I would be Brad Pitt. La. <laughs> There's also a limitation, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can wish. Uh, there's this other um, experiment that they did with a haunted house, and this was particularly very interesting, I find. They found a very old house, mm. and there's an experiment done with this house. They will go in, and they will check for spirits. They will use their... Uh, EMF meter they'll put their, you know, their devices to check for hauntings and they found none right? it, was a haunt, it, it was a dilapidated house but they found no haunting mm. they take this same footage they bring it back to a lab of people who, and they say that this is a haunted house take a look can you see anything in this house and you know because you're already planting suggestions in your head the place looks kind of you know haunted right? it just looks haunted people started saying yes they see shadows they see this they see that and the entire team of uh, lab subjects said they saw something in the place. Okay, but there is a difference between me thinking that I saw something and something actually being there. Maybe it's all in their minds. Exactly, that's what I was getting at. Because in the in that lab experiment, the pictures and the photographs, there was nothing there. They didn't they didn't detect anything. But people, because they were inspired by the picture, they were, you know, their imagination ran wild. They all said they saw something here, they saw something there. So the investigators went down again a second time. And that's when all the activity started. As an actual physical scientific evidence. Yeah, they found manifestation, things were moving, and only because enough people believe or less they think they saw something there mm. that collective thought makes this you know you, you must have sent something out to universe uh, either you materialize it mm. or 
the collective energy opens up a rift in the veil where then the spirits from the other side can come in and materialize. So I, I obviously we don't have the answer for this. Otherwise, you know, it would be scientific and not pseudoscience. Mm. But that experiment shows thought processes actually make things happen. Okay. So if you believe that some place is haunted, you believe that this room is haunted, you believe there's ghosts around you, chances are your thought process are A, either creating that entity hmm. or B, opening up a portal for entities to come in. Ah. Which kind of leads me to wonder how many places are haunted because they were already haunted when people went there or it became haunted because enough people believed it was. Why don't we start an experiment on this, Tim? Okay. Let's find a place in Singapore that we all know is not haunted. There is no stories around that place. Your house. And, and <laughs> no, 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 I mean, we need to make it in a public your area. Your house, so that your room, <laughs> in your bed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I may be a paranormal investigator, but I'm still scared of ghosts, you know. <laughs> so listeners of our podcast, right, mm. you guys are in on this prank. So we're going to find a place that is, you know, no stories of haunting and we're all going to collectively say that the place is haunted and let it go viral and then see what people come up with maybe you might find people saying that yeah you know I see things there and all that but we know like you and I and the listeners know that we just made this shit up we're going to get into so much trouble for this okay here's here's the bullshit I'm going to share with you guys alright okay. so listeners uh, mm-hmm. you're in on this you're all in on this okay Bradle CTE exit okay 12.33 on some nights I don't know which nights on some nights mm. you'll see an old man trying to hail you down trying to ask for help okay actually because legend has it mm-hmm. that an old man was knocked down there while he was cycling you know bro you cannot say this you know why I say you cannot say this why? because I almost knocked down somebody <laughs> <laughs> on a bicycle late at night on the CT pedaling <laughs> oh, there you go man <laughs> no it's true and the funny thing about it is I didn't actually see him there until I zoomed past him and I was like this guy was wearing all white right in a long robe on a bicycle and I didn't hit him it was just as I went past I saw him go past my car so could it be that while we are trying to set up a prank story Mm. this is actually true the old man that you saw could be just a spiritual entity so are we conducting the experiment or is something conducting an experiment with us these thoughts that have my head where are they from is that my own Okay, this is getting a bit too meta. (laughs) (laughs) So you gotta pick a place that you've never heard of a story about. Gardens by the Bay, you know, at night. Okay, Gardens by the Bay. 12.33. 12.33 a.m. or p.m.? A.m. Okay. It's gonna be past midnight, you know? Mm. Reaching hour. Uh, Is anybody allowed in there after hours? I think you can, because it's open to public. You you can really walk through. There is no, like, gantry for you that is blocked up. Okay, okay. Okay, so Gardens by the Bay is specifically near the waterfront. Right. The place where um, MBS connects to Gardens by the Bay. You will find a lady crying. And when people approach her to ask if she's okay, she would jump off into the water. And when they run towards water, nothing there. Okay. Gardens by the Bay, where the overhead bridge connects it to MBS, okay? Yeah. Everyone mm. listening right now, I know this is a bit kooky. I want you to close your eyes <laughs> and I want you to repeat after us, all right? Gardens by the Bay. Overhead bridge connecting to MBS is haunted. Once again, Gardens by the Bay, overhead bridge connecting to MBS is haunted. So if we have enough people who actually say that, we are putting it out into the universe, are we not? 
Yes. And then let's see how many people actually come back and agree that their place is haunted and they have actual sightings. Okay. And know that as you are saying this, we have not sighted anything. We are making this shit up. Mm. But let's see how it turns out, whether this becomes a true story. Okay. You know now this means you and I can never go there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is there anything else that you wanted to cover? Yeah, back to residual energy again. Mm. So yeah, thought processors, putting it out there. Uh, and, that, and that's the other thing as well, because there's a study on Ouija board. People who play the Ouija board actually summon demons and open up a portal. Yeah. Now, a certain uh, degree of science have tried to debunk it and saying that there is an effect called the uh, idea moto effect. Isn't that what they use to make food tasty? Ajinomoto? No, that's Ajinomoto. <laughs> this is what? Idea moto. Idea moto. Right. It's an idea motor effect where your body subconsciously moves based on the things you want to hear. So this is similar to you stretching out your arm straight, holding a thread with a pendulum mm. and telling yourself not to move, but the pendulum starts to sway. It's that sort of micro-movement that your body sends out mm. uh, actions. So they believe that when you start thinking about the question, because you have to ask the questions for the spirit to answer, right? Mm. And that's where you are actually answering yourself. Right. So when I started diving into that line of uh, reasoning, I began to find that there is that grey area where are you really controlling yourself or are you creating a thought and something else is controlling you? So what you're saying is that the planchette that they use that moves around the, the Ouija board, you're mm. actually moving it. It's not being controlled by a spirit. That's what science, has, science believes. Mm. So now we look at uh, some of the stories and people who have been uh, talking about um, residual energy, old items left behind by previous owners that have haunting. There's a recent story I put up on Teban Gardens. Uh, there's a mirror and a rocking chair and the house is haunted. I believe that because these artifacts are left in this house, mm. whoever who owned these things have passed away, but the spirit energy imprint is still on this item. Okay. Although we may not say that you start to think of it consciously, but your subconscious mind can detect energy. Mm. And that's where it connects to all the spirit world and make things happen. You ever messed around with the Ouija board before, bro? Yes, uh, twice on uh, two, two separate occasions. Mm. The anticlimactic uh, conclusion here is when I was holding it and I was trying to, you know, really will something to, to tell me the answer, it didn't move at all. I, I didn't get any response. Okay. Yeah. Both times. Both times. You need to have more than one person, right? I, I thought two all of us. Of two of us. Yeah, two of us were just uh, sitting there. You need at least two or more. Mm. We put our fingers uh, on the planchette, mm. right? And we asked questions and we just waited. Nothing happened. Oh, did you close your eyes? I closed my eyes, opened my eyes, I kept quiet. I, you know, I tried to emit my, my thoughts out to universe. Nothing, it didn't move. Even the, the pen spirit where you, you, two of you hold one pen very loosely and let yeah. the, the pen write words on paper, nothing happened as well, not for me. Okay, you know where you need to go and check out then? You need to get yourself a ticket to go to Massachusetts in the US, a particular town called Salem. Uh -huh. Okay, that's uh, a lot of people. Uh, that Salem is a very famous town. Uh, apparently, they used to burn witches there, right? They are putting yeah. together the world's largest Ouija board. Okay, <laughs> it's called Ouija Zilla. It weighs 9,000 pounds. That's nine tons, covering 3,168 square feet. Okay, and the planchette is a 400 pound circular cutout. <laughs> so it is the world's biggest Ouija board and they're hoping if they can get enough people there the combined energy is uh, definitely going to attract something. <laughs> you summon our Cthulhu, is it? Yeah. 
<laughs> so yes, if uh, you would like to uh, experience the world's largest Ouija board over in Salem, Massachusetts. I'll tell you where you can take your Ouija board. Mm. You take your Ouija board to Gardens by the Bay under the overhead bridge near MBS. <laughs> okay. How would you explain then transferring energy into an object? Because whenever we talk about items which are haunted, right? People tell stories of, oh, you know, I, I picked up this object, this statue yeah. or something like yeah. that. And uh, yeah. suddenly, you know, I, I start experiencing a lot of weird things. You know, they say, oh, that's because there is a spirit that has attached itself to this mm. to this object. How does residual energy tie into this? No, when you're talking about haunted objects, that's no longer residual energy. That's really an entity or an entanglement. Mm. Uh, residual energy would be, if I own uh, this um, let's say old rocking chair it's my favorite my grandma's favorite rocking chair and she had passed on there is a certain imprint of energy on that chair mm. and it's not to say that that chair will suddenly start to fly or move or my grandma will start to materialize so a residual energy will be when uh, uh, someone who's sensitive who comes to my house and sits on that chair she may feel uncomfortable she may feel as if my grandma is there Ah, okay. Right? So that would be a residual energy. Okay. But when you're talking about uh, a possessed item, mm. let's say if I, uh, uh, you know, I go to a, a Thai monk or I go to a Ustad and I say I, I'm having bad luck and he says, oh, I see there's an attachment on you, there's a gene on you or, you know, some spirits on you and I'm going to trap the spirits mm. because spirits are also energy and they cannot be destroyed. Uh, what you do is that you then transfer the spirit to a vessel mm. and you throw that vessel somewhere usually you throw it at Sambawang uh, beach you throw, it, you throw it in the ocean right and that's why old people say when you go to the beach don't pick up stuff because ah. that's where the old tankies and everyone will throw their stuff into the ocean even till today when I speak okay. to some uh, Hindu practitioners Taoist practitioners Sambawang beach is where they throw their shit okay so right? don't go to Sambawang beach or don't pick up stuff from Sambawang beach Oh, okay. If you find a nice looking idol, a doll, a, 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 a working pair of shoes by the beachside, hmm. don't be a capo and pick it up. So basically stuff that you cannot understand why someone would throw away. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Right? So that's, that's common sense. Those don't pick these kind of things up. Yeah. But what, what you're talking about is when you're trying to infuse an entity into an object, hmm. to use that object as a vessel. Okay. Now, that object then becomes sentient because there has spirits inside. Right. Okay. Earlier on, when we talked about the entry from JT, where she said at the MCI building, sometimes you smell food that's frying, mm. right? Even though there's mm. no cafeteria. This would be residual energy, yes? Based on exactly what she just said, mm. that sounds like residual energy. However, there's a lot of different uh, elements and questions that you have to ask with regards to that particular haunting, mm. do other people smell anything else? Yeah. Could this smell appear to her as fried chicken? Mm. But perhaps to somebody else is floral smell, so to someone else it smells of decay. Mm. And then when that happens, it's no longer a residual energy. It's an entity. Because entities will express themselves in different ways to different people? Yes, correct. Oh. Will make their presence known and felt and uh, in this case smell in different ways oh. okay so before we conclude tonight's episode there was a recent post that you put up regarding someone actually in Thailand yeah this girl was acting like she was possessed and she's screaming and she's flipping between uh, personalities 
right? At one point, she was crying and say, "Help me!" or you know, in Thai, and then she started to act like an old angry man, mm. and she was just spouting in Thai. So I, I checked in my Thai friends and said, "What is she talking about?" And apparently, one of these men, uh, he's he's at Ajahn. He looked at it. He said, "Okay, it's very real. I can sense the energy. Possibly she has a sakyan on her. Sakyan is like a Thai spiritual tattoo, and." She's drunk or high on drugs because the spirit can enter in and out of her at will. Yeah, and people with sakyan usually have to have certain uh, practices, like they have to abstain from from certain thing to keep themselves pure to to um, keep the magic on their sakyan active. So obviously, she had done something wrong, and the spirits are angry with her. Okay. So that that particular video, according to that Thai practitioner, the Ajahn. Is a real possession case and it's not fake. All right. So if you haven't actually seen it yet, once again, check out our Facebook page. Look for Supernatural Confessions. This is on the closed group or is this on the main page? Uh, it's on the main page and the closed group is posted on the second of December. Just scroll down and search. Okie dokie. And of course, if you have any questions, stories you want to share, uh, topics that you would like us to cover as well, please reach out to us uh, either on our Facebook uh, page or, of course, you can uh, reach us via our uh, main website once again. The address is supernaturalconfessions.com. Okie dokie. So once again, thank you very much for your time, for your interest. And uh, we do want to ask uh, if you enjoy what you hear, you'd be doing us a big favor by helping us to spread the word about Supernatural Confessions. Because the bigger an audience we can reach, the bigger network that we have to draw content from as well. Okay, so once again, tell everybody know supernaturalconfessions.com. Until the next time we do this, honestly, I don't know when we're going to do this, bro, because New Year's just around the corner. Things are getting really busy. Uh, but if we don't manage to uh, talk to you again in 2019, we do want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. Yeah. My name is Timo. And I'm Eugene Tay. And you're listening to Supernatural Confessions. Supernatural Confessions. <laughs> <laughs>